ways in which we are doing just that. And I can't wait to see what God does in and through Luminous Church to embody the grace and love of Jesus to meet the needs of San Antonio Church. I can't wait to see you in October. I'll see you then. Come on, man. Can we give it up for Corey Bendix and Grace Covenant Church doing amazing work and ministry? And uh, I'm so excited. Everybody say, Luminous Loves. Luminous loves, that's what we are about in this season of our life. It's actually what we've been about since the very beginning. If you've been with us since 2014, when we established this church in San Antonio and God started putting his footprint in this city, what we did is we, we had a series called Love Out Loud. You may remember that. That's been a part of our DNA, a part of our vision, that we would love people Wherever they are, and it wouldn't just be silent love, because I'm, you know, love is not silence. You see, when God spoke, right, it wasn't silent. It was loud and audible, and it created, and it made, and it defined. This is what love out loud is. So we have partnered with Grace Covenant called Luminous Loves, and Corey Bendix will be here October 23rd to preach the word, preach this sermon, preach his heart. They've given millions of dollars away since COVID. They partnered with us to help bless Boysville, the foster care home in San Antonio, and we gave over 100 hoodies away um, in partnership with them. So we just believe that we're going to continue to live out the gospel here in San Antonio. That we're not done living out the gospel, we're not over, we're not, we're not, you know, shutting down, and we're not, you know, hibernating in our houses all day long for the rest of our life. No, we are going to love out loud, and we will wear masks, gas masks, whatever it takes to go love somebody, welcome them, and say, man, Jesus loves you. He loves you, and the kingdom is here. The kingdom is present. How many of you know the kingdom is now? The kingdom is now. For those who are in Christ Jesus have been born again, made completely new. And in their newness, they have brought the kingdom. They have brought the kingdom on, on the earth that God has established it through us. And I'm so excited about this as we move out in this fall from, from doing a trunk or treat for Boysville, from, from do, handing out and partnering with the Palladium and Santicos for the food bank, to do a toy drive with, with, um, with Ken's Five and some other people this year. We're going to love out loud because it's what the gospel has called us to do, to love people intentionally, but not just to affirm their, their happiness but to call out their joy in a new identity in Christ. Amen? I'm so excited for that. If you have your Bibles, turn to Habakkuk chapter 1. Habakkuk chapter 1. Now, if you're like me, I, my paper Bible, I think, sits on the bookshelf and collects dust. Every once in a while, I pull it down to feel a little more spiritual. Anybody else? You know, you, you just made your cup of coffee. You, you, the kids are still asleep, hopefully, and you're sitting there, and you're like, you know what? I'm just feeling the anointing. I'm going to get the Bible. You know, you blow it off, and you get it out. But, but most of us are using our iPhones, our iPads, our computers, and digital experiences to engage with the Word of God. And I want to encourage you, however you are interacting, just know that the Word is the same whether it's paper or digital. Amen? Amen. So Habakkuk chapter 1 is easier to find if you're in the digital world. How <laughs> we know that's true? Nahum, Habakkuk, where are we? I just don't know these minor prophets. 
Habakkuk chapter 1, Edgar, Pastor Edgar, our, our pastor in residence, if you don't know this, uh, he and his wife, Lakeisha, they moved here uh, about 18 months ago. They moved, live in Cibolo. His wife's in the military, and Pastor Edgar um, graduated from Liberty University with a pastoral and ministry degree, something like that, a master's, and, and so he's a full-time clergy residence with Baptists, but he's also a pastor in residence with us. Learning what does it take to plant a church and pastor people and lead teams and build teams and lead a life group and multiply a life group and help people and counsel them and, and, and get their spiritual formation to a place where they're growing and self-sufficient so that they can lead others to Christ. And, and he's learning the ins and outs of preaching and how to write a sermon and an outline and getting reps. And, and poor Pastor Edgar, as he's learning all this and experiencing it, there was a power felt last week and 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 you someone who was here last week how many of y'all were just like you were cringing every time the power went off and you're like I don't know if I'm gonna go back but maybe I will and uh, and so he worked so hard on this message setting up Habakkuk chapter one for us and the whole idea is that it's okay to ask God questions it's okay in, 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 in this society, in this world, to ask God questions, but it's okay, and it's always been okay to ask God questions, because when you start asking questions, that's when you start discovering more of your faith, and you start to solidify it, and you start to ask these questions of, maybe there is a little bit of doubt, or there is a little bit of curiosity. How did this work? So you ask God questions. You see what's happening in the world around us, so you ask God questions. And we serve a God that's not silent, but a God that speaks. And he spoke in his word, and he's written it down so that we can hear it and understand him more fully. And he speaks to us in the times that we spend with him in the morning. And he speaks to us as we're in the car worshiping. And he speaks to us as we're parenting our children. And he speaks to us as we're sitting there wondering if our spouse is ever going to come, right? And he speaks to us as we're trying to do college, online or in person, online or in person. Just make up your mind, somebody. He speaks to us when we're in the hospital and we're taking care of patients on the bedside as many of us are doing in this room. He speaks to us as we move about in the kingdom because when you're born again and when you're his children, you can hear his voice. The word would say this, my sheep know my voice. You can hear him. So you ask these questions, you're like, man, I haven't heard him. So you're asking this question, do I know him? It's a great question to start. Maybe if you're new here this morning or new to church, do I know him? Because rest assured, if you seek him, you will find him. If you seek him with your whole heart, the Lord will show up. He's going to reveal. This is what he does. He loves to do this. What's going on? What's going on in Habakkuk? What is going on? That's been our, our question that we've been living for the last 18 months. What's going on what's going on i mean I've, I've asked this question so many times you know my 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 car is going i'm driving my car i'm helping somebody move to kerrville i'm dropping off furniture i'm driving back and my transmission overheats and all of a sudden i can't go over 40 miles an hour and i go what's going on you've been there right you, you just start getting back into school. My kids start having a rhythm. 
My wife starts having a rhythm, and then all of a sudden they've been sick for two weeks, and they've been COVID tested like five times, and they're negative, and it's like, what's going on? <laughs> Sometimes you just yell it, and it makes you feel a lot better. And we've been asking this question over and over, but, but the, the truth is, is Habakkuk is asking this question in the book of Habakkuk by this minor prophet and in this lament, in this moment where he's seeing pain and he's seeing takeover and he's seeing these Israelites being captivated and taken over as we're about to read. The question is, and he's asking, what's going on, God? Habakkuk 1 verse 12, let's read it together. Are you not from everlasting? O Lord, my God, my Holy One, we shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. You are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. Why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? You make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. He brings all them up with a hook. He drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet. So he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and makes offerings to his dragnet. For by them he lives in luxury and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net? And mercilessly killing nations forever. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower. And look out to see what he, God, will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaints. And the Lord answered me. Write the vision. Make a plane on tablets. So he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Father, I pray as we read your word and we expound on what you have written. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would speak these words to us contextually. And we'd be able to understand it fully. And God, I pray that you would reveal things that would bring us hope when there is despair, that you would bring answers when there's confusion. I pray, Holy Spirit, that the questions that have come into this church this morning, Lord, although may not all be answered, I pray that there would be a sense of peace as people leave today. Lord, open our ears to hear, open our eyes to see. May we know you a little bit better today. Father, we came this morning for community. We came this morning for a word. We came this morning for a song. Lord, we came this morning to meet you. Would you meet us? In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing that we need to note as the scripture that we just read in Habakkuk is that Habakkuk is recognizing God's character. And that's the first thing that we need to note whenever we have questions for God is we need to have a right understanding of who he is. For if you start with a bad understanding, a misunderstanding of God, you'll miss 
his heart and what he has for you. You see, he is describing the God he knows. He says, are you not from everlasting? Meaning he knows that God is everlasting, that he was and he is and he is to come. He is alpha and omega. There is no beginning and no end with God. God is outside the realm of time and outside of history and future. He is outside of all that altogether, which blows our mind. So when we try to pigeonhole or put him in a box or a framework, we're putting him in something that he is not even bound by. So I need to understand, God, you are the God who is everlasting. Oh, Lord, my God, he's my God. Hosea knows him. He's not foreign. I mean, Habakkuk knows him. Habakkuk has heard him. Habakkuk has, has met with him. Habakkuk knows God. He is my God. Oh, Lord, Lord, the name Yahweh, the name that the Hebrews were so afraid and so revered this God that they couldn't even write this name, but put, just put a blank, a space. And whenever you saw that space, you knew they were talking about the I am, the one that I can't even say his name, for he is that great and that beyond me. My God. My holy one, holy, the perfection. There's no ill will in God. There's no wrongdoing in God. There's nothing in God that is not pure, not holy. God is completely holy. We actually love babies. And I'm so thankful we have them. God is holy. He is the holy one, one. There is no other beside him. He is the holy one, the only perfect one. We shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O rock, have established them for reproof that you are a rock. God's character is a rock. It's a solid foundation. He is the solid foundation. Jesus refers to himself as the rock, the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone. Holding everything together is that cornerstone, that key that fits into that wall, that keeps it all together. This is our rock. You who are of pure eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong you have pure eyes and you see things purely perfectly clear so why we say we need to see Jesus clearly because when we see him we know what he's looking at and what he looks at is perfection he sees pure I love that he sees pure aren't you I need that in my life for if he keeps looking at me in an impure way after being redeemed and born again, I would cower. But because he sees me purely, I walk in a confidence. See, character makes you rightly assume about the other person when you know their character. My wife and I are completely opposite personality. You, you may know this. You see, she was an athlete her whole life, played collegiate softball. 
I was a fickle man who ran off of my feelings, you know? And I kind of liked that sport, the sport of chasing whatever satisfies. The, the sport of discipline has no place in my life. And yet she is very disciplined. And as a result, you know, there's certain things that have, have, have come about in her life, certain nuances, certain beliefs. Uh, life is black and white. There's not much gray. There, there's, there's this level in her uh, that, that just keeps it this way. And, and I'm completely opposite. She is more introverted. As you met her, maybe she didn't go right up to you and say hi, and you got your feelings hurt. Don't be mad at her. She's an introvert. Just go up to her and love her. She will love it. I'm an extrovert. I'm going to go up to every introvert, and I'm going to make them talk to me. I love Josh Ferrer. I just, Josh, if you could just say my name. Just say, just say hi to me. That's like my mission every Sunday morning, if I can just get Josh to talk. And he hates this right now because he's an introvert. Quit giving me attention. Josh played keys this morning. And he's snickering. But I don't know if that's anger. <laughs> I am going to get it. And, and so we're completely opposite. And, and this is what I wanted to say with this is that when we got married because of our oppositeness, we fought every day. How many marriages fight in here? Uh, yeah, and you may get in trouble for that. It's true. You fight. And we fought a lot. We fought so much on our honeymoon. We fought every single day on our honeymoon. There was this one moment. I'm going too transparent right here. But you made it this morning. You showed up, so you deserve this. This is one moment where we're in a store, and I did something like I always do, and I embarrassed her. Well, that embarrassment led to her walking away from me very fast. In Mexico, and we are not in the resort area, if you know what I mean. So she's walking as fast as she can. Now, I don't really realize that she's a Latina. She can speak Spanish. She'd probably take care of herself. But I'm like, oh, my goodness, I can't let her out of my sight. So I'm chasing her. So I'm the stalker chasing her all over Mexico, through the alleys, everywhere. And I'm like, oh, man, she's so mad. I finally find her on a bus as she's stepping onto the bus to lose me. And I sit right next to her, and I go, what's going on? Every day we fought. Woo. We needed marriage counseling. The divorce papers, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure she researched it. But what I've realized, 13 years of marriage, in pursuing my wife, her pursuing me, and loving one another, the most important thing to know when you're in a fight is to know their character, to know their heart. I want you to know my heart. I want you to know that I love you. And I may walk away, but know my heart. In marriage, for all those who aren't married yet, there's an important principle that you can even apply in your friendships. Assume the best about one another. And when you assume the best, because they have goodwill, they, they really don't mean you harm. And when you start seeing their character, it makes everything that feels chaotic a little more clear. 
You see, when life is chaotic, but we know God's character, we know it's going to be okay. We know we're going to be all right. If you know me, you will know my heart towards you. He's an everlasting God. Lord, my God, my holy one, a rock, one with pure eyes. And now we move into our questions. Our questions. We ask questions for discovery. Isn't that true? Scientists do it all the time. Throw up a hypothesis. Throw out questions. We're trying to discover. We're trying to search. We're trying to seek out. Questions help with our grief as we process. Maybe you've lost somebody that you loved. Maybe it was through COVID or some other accident that happened in the last year. You ask God questions. You, it helps you with your grief. It helps you process. If you have no one to ask questions to and you can't process, you'll end up exploding and it'll end up destroying you. But God has allowed us to ask questions. And guess what? He's big enough to let us ask. We're able to ask our questions. We ask questions. We ask questions a lot. Because what we're wanting to know is more what he has to say about the situations. We want knowledge. We want knowledge. And the person who doesn't ask ask questions in their righteous living as Christians will actually end up finding destruction. Hosea 4.6 says this 100 years before Habakkuk. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. They, they, that you, you have rejected knowledge. You have rejected knowing God and knowing me. You see, the questions draw you to God, not away from him. See, that's the important thing is when I ask Brandy questions, it helps me know her better. I get to know her heart. When I ask her questions, she gets to reveal to me what's going on inside of her. This is important as we walk out with God and walking our faith. We're just asking God, God, what do you think about this? What do you think about what's going on? What about what's happening with COVID right now? What, what God, why am I still single? God, why is my marriage still? God, why are my children wayward? God, why are we struggling financially? God, why does it seem like the wicked flourish and the righteous are so far behind right now? Those types of questions are inquisitive. And it draws you into his presence. Those are helpful. This is what we need to know. I've had tons of questions in my life. So many questions. I I was the same. I remember in high school when I was trying desperately to live for God, but I felt like everybody who wasn't was a lot happier. God, why do they have so much fun? And I'm sitting here alone in the racquetball court at my apartment complex, hitting the racquetball all by myself. They're out partying, having sex, living it up. I'm playing racquetball. I'm getting good, but it's by myself. It's like the one sport you can play by yourself. 
and be active, it's awesome. I remember my brothers got married in the same year, 2004. One married in July, one married in November, and I didn't even have a girlfriend. First Thanksgiving, my mom and dad are here. It was just us three. It's kind of lonely. <laughs> my dad says no. <laughs> I was feeling sorry for myself. I remember so many things and asking questions. I remember like you, when, when before COVID, we were running 300 people, had 80 children, we had 30 youth, and we were about to look into a building campaign and move into that and see what God was going to do and what, what he was building in this city. We were seeing people raised up, and now we've seen 200 people leave, and I've seen friends leave. People I call friends that we're covenant brothers, and you don't want to help us keep fighting. You don't want to help us keep going on mission here and do what God's called us to do. I've, I've seen it, and we've had questions, and you look to your left, and you look to your right, and you're like, where's so-and-so? Where's so-and-so? I haven't seen them. God, what's going on? I have so many questions. We all have these questions. Some are light, some are difficult. But what I know about this is that in Americanism, we're very impatient when we ask God questions. You may have fallen, followed some of what's happened in Afghanistan. And, and all, the, all the commentaries say this, is that the Taliban's very patient. They just outweigh Americans and their impatience. They're very patient because they're thinking generationally. We're thinking daily, weekly. As born-again believers, as Christ followers, when you understand Jesus and you understand the kingdom, you realize that it's patience. Patience. God's going to come through. I know his character. I know who he is. I know what he said. Patience. And isn't it ironic in an information age, when information is like doubling every two years, one of the founders of Intel, I think it's called Moore's Law, he, he came up with the fact that the, the Intel chip was going to basically exponentially increase and keep multiplying every two years. It was going to get more and more advanced. And us in our society, we look at Moore's Law and we see information. We see how fast it changes and how fast it moves and everything that's happening, right? And it, what it does is we don't get more knowledge. We just get more information. And now we're getting misinformation and disinformation. When you're on the Internet, can I trust that source that I'm reading? Can I trust my social media? The algorithms have placated to what you want in your ideologies, and so you're only seeing one side of the coin. How many you know that's true? Like, what? Really? Yes. It's why one side can be so staunch on their belief against the other side because we have no balance. But we have lots of information. But do we have knowledge? And do we rightly have knowledge and knowing who God is, 
without God speaking to us, we don't still have the adequate knowledge that we need. You see, Habakkuk had some information. The Babylonians were coming. They were taking the Israelites away. They were putting hooks in their lips and chaining them together in a line like fish hooked together, being pulled out, held captive to Babylon. That's a lot of information. That would make a news story. What do you do when you see a million people hooked together by their lip, dragged out, and held captive? It makes you kind of ask some questions, doesn't it? You see, I mean, we're in uh, uh, parallel times. We're in, we're in some hard times, some difficult times. We're asking questions, but there's always been difficult times. Always been challenges. So what do you say? I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me, and I will answer concerning my complaint. This is what he says. I'm going to ask my questions, and then I'm going to the watch post. I'm going to watch. And I'm not going to watch all the disinformation, everything that I'm seeing around me. No, I'm going to watch God. God, I have put out my questions. I'm watching you. I'm leaning into you. I'm looking for you to move and you to answer me. And what does God do? He answers. And Lord, answer me. Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. Write this vision down. For without vision, a people perish. Practically, the vision has been written down in Habakkuk. Practically, it's been written down in the word of God. Practically, we don't have to look for the vision. The vision is laid out right here. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Write the vision. So when you read it, you can run the right way. So when you read it, you don't chase pleasure, but you chase holiness. When you read it, you can start chasing the Lord. And not chasing self. This is what God has implored us to do. This is what he's calling us to do. This is what he's asked us to do. And I'll never forget, a couple of years ago, I started praying. And I was just asking, Lord, asking him questions. I don't even remember. But he said this to me. Ben, this city needs you. And it stuck with me. I, it doesn't really need me. But the Lord said it needed me. The city needs you. It was in that moment that we started writing down vision. You see, the city needs us. It doesn't need just Ben Chapman. It needs what's inside of Ben Chapman. It needs this whole thing so it was plain to see when the city Let's write it down. Let's put it on a wall. Let's win the city. Let's start believing for the impossible. Let's start doing the impossible. Let's start loving out loud and loving the lost and loving those around us. And let's start being the church and being the hands and feet of Christ 
in the city. So we wrote it down. We're in the city. We're in the city. It's plain. Write it down. Luminous loves. It's plain. Write it down. Make disciples. It's plain. Write it down. I was so busy, maybe this last 18 months, asking questions, but forgetting that the vision is already written. It's written down for us in Matthew 25, 40, and the king will answer them. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. It's written. You do for the least, you do for him. You take care of those in captivity, bring them to freedom, you do it for Christ. You take care of the poor and give them, give them blessing and help them get on their feet. You do it for Christ. You love your wife. You do it for Christ. You love your children. You do it for Christ. You serve the church. You do it for Christ. You see, whatever you do, you do to the glory of God. It's written down in Matthew 16, 18. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It's written down. The gates of hell will not prevent against the church growing and moving and the kingdom coming. Do you believe it, church? Do you believe what God is doing? It's written down in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Go, make disciples of every nation. Make disciples of every nation. Yes, the city needs you, Ben, but it needs Voltaire. It needs Cecile, it needs Josh, it needs Hannah, it needs Chris, it needs Sean, it needs Wayne, it needs, it needs Angel, it needs Hannah. You see, the city needs you. The kingdom is moving through his people. And you're not going to do it alone. Because I want you to make clear the vision. I tell you the truth, Jesus said. It is to your advantage that I go away, for I am limited in proximity in human flesh. But when I go away, the helper will come. And he will come to you. And if I go, I will send him to you. Because he's going to help you run the vision that he's birthed inside of you. Church, I want to pray for you. If you wouldn't mind bowing your head and closing your eyes. I don't know if you know this Jesus. I don't know if you've ever met him or have a relationship with him or trust him. We ask questions to God all the time, but we keep going back to God because he's faith. He's faithful and our faithfulness to him is trust. To place your faith in Christ means to trust him fully with your life. And see, I'm tired of going my own way. I'm tired of living my own life. And I choose to repent. And I'm going to confess him as Lord, Savior, Master over my life. And when I do that, he's going to regenerate me. He's going to recreate me. He's going to give me a new heart. That which is broken, that which is old, will become soft and become new. And I'll be born again. And I'll live in a purposeful life differently than I lived when I first came in. And if that's you and you want to place faith in Jesus this morning, raise up your hand. I want to pray for you this morning. If that's anybody in here, Father, I see the hands, God, that are raised right now saying, Jesus, I'm tired of trusting myself. I put my faith in you. I turn from my way and I want to go your way. For your way is good and it's everlasting.
God, born me again. Birth me again. Make me new. In Jesus' name. For everybody else, I want to pray over you. That the vision would be realized. That in misinformation, disinformation, and looking at the world around you, that it would not define you. But you would know God in his heart. And you would assume correctly about his nature and how he's called you to run. Father, I just thank you. Lord, let us run your way. Father, forgive us when we put more faith in questions, more faith in idols, more faith in self. Forgive us, Lord, and help us, Jesus, to tangibly realize how great you are and how you have called us to the way of everlasting, and we read the vision. And God, right now we say, my work needs me. My family needs me. My kids need me. This city needs me, but they don't just need me. They need the gospel that's inside of me. They need the redeemed life, the gospel life, the kingdom life. Lord, would your kingdom come, would your will be done in this city as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God a big hand this morning.